Hey, retakers, welcome back to Elevate Retake. My name is Michael. I'm the teaching pastor for Elevate. It's Community Fellowship of Keene Church. So glad you're listening. Today's episode is another look at how we love one another. Last week, I had a conversation with Pastor Buster Swoops. We talked about our specific experiences uh, with racism and injustice. And today we're taking a step forward. We're saying, how can we respond to everything that's going on in the world? This conversation today was recorded back in kind of towards the end of June. It was about a month after George Floyd was murdered. And since then, thousands of protests have popped up in countries all over the United States and around the world. People that are standing up against injustice. They're wanting to make a difference. And this is adding to the voice and the cry of the protesters. Uh, Today, I talk with April Snyder. Russ Laughlin and Buster Swoops about how we specifically love one another in this time. What does it look like for us as a people of God with the political divide, the racial divide that we had, how we stand up and love the people around us? It's a fantastic conversation. I'm so glad that we're able to bring this to you and I encourage you to lean in. Some of it may be difficult. Some of it may be things that you may not have heard before and it challenges uh, who you are and everything that you thought. But with the spirit of God, you today can come to a closer understanding of who God is and our response and our uh, requirement, our our direction from God to love those around us. So thank you again for listening. And without further ado, here's our conversation. Welcome home. There's always room for one more. I'm so glad you're joining us this morning for our online worship gathering here at Elevate. Yeah, we're still doing things online. We've got our 830 service open for people to come in and our 1145 service to go in, but Elevate's still remaining online to allow some cleaning to happen between those two services to make sure that they um, are, you're able to safely come and join us. So if you would like to be a part of an in-person worship gathering, I invite you to come at 830. That's a mask required service. And then 1145 is our mask optional service. We'd love to have you join us in those two services um, together. This morning, we put a poll up on Slido, and I wanted to uh, share a couple of your responses to our engage question this morning. Our engage question is this, what does it mean to love one another? And uh, several of you put in uh, just one word. It's, you said it means uh, to love one another means to, to help, to have empathy, to honor, to cherish, to respect. It means sharing. It means caring. It means giving. It means kindness and it means support. And then a couple of you wrote in some longer responses and you said to treat people the same way you want to be treated as equals. And also another one of you said love is an action. So showing others that you are there for them, showing them the mercy of God, showing uh, or that is how we love others by doing something, not just saying it. And we're in the midst of a a two-part conversation. Last week, I had the chance to sit down with Pastor Buster Swoops, and he shared his uh, experience as a black man in America, and we got to talk about how we love one another in this series that we're calling One Another. What does it mean to extend love to anybody, no matter where they come from, what they look like, or who they are, and to be a part of God's family, bringing people together. And today we've got the second part of our conversation. And it's quite apropos because yesterday was Juneteenth, the celebration of uh, the, the liberation of many slaves from the South. And it is a day of remembrance of where a country has come from to where we are today. But we're still not done yet. Jesus hasn't come back yet. We're still trying to figure out what it looks like for us 
to live in the kingdom of God, to love one another while we're still here on this earth. And before we dive in our conversation today, I also want to invite you next Sabbath, June 27, the North American Division of Seventh Avenue, that's the kind of the, the area church of Seventh Avenue in North America, United States and Canada. They've put out a call for a national day of prayer for uh, reconciliation, um, for uh, the, the, the downfall of racism and for justice. So I invite you next Sabbath, June 27, to join us in a national day of prayer um, for the injustices that we see in this world and to pray for our world as we seek reconciliation. So this morning, I'm excited to have with me several of my colleagues joining the conversation. Um, I've got to my right, Chaplain April from Southwestern Adventist University. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I am the Associate Chaplain at Southwestern Adventist University. I've been there for two years. This is going to be starting my third year, and I'm under the wonderful supervision of the Vice President for Spiritual Life, Pastor Russ Laughlin. Well, thank you, April. Um, I would see us as colleagues, not under the supervision, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, we, I, it's a privilege to have April on the, the, the fa uh, faculty and staff of Southwestern Adventist University. She teaches our mission class, a uh, great um, addition to the Spiritual Life and Development Office, and uh, it's really good. And I have the privilege of introducing to my right, my good friend, um, Buster Swoops. He is a professor at Southwestern Adventist University, teaching in the theology department, a personal friend, a colleague, and um, I just I just love visiting with you, Buster. I'm glad you're here with us this morning. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. We <laughs> met Thursday, I believe it was. We did, yeah. And we had such a great time. We, we laughed together. Yeah. We almost cried together as well, we right? Yep. <laughs> um, so it's, I, I've been here at Southwestern now. This is going to be my, I'm starting my third year. But I graduated from here in 2006 as well. Wow. And I just love this campus. I love this church. Yeah. And I love the staff that's here right now. Awesome. And we love having you here. Yep. Especially this morning. And I know we were running a little bit tight. You're coming oh, in yes. right with introductions. <laughs> but you had the opportunity. Um, give a plug for, uh, tell us about the, the Sabbath school that you're doing with uh, Dr. Campbell. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Uh, Michael Campbell and I, we have a, a Sabbath school rescue podcast. You can mm -hmm. find it at sabbathschoolrescue.org. This morning we had Ty Gibson on, and man, he was dropping bombs and fire. It was <laughs> it was so great. Uh, talking about dealing with difficult passages. So if you yeah. have a chance, uh, we were on Facebook Live this morning, but okay. also you can find it on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all those things. Gotcha. And so you were doing that right before this. Yes. And Ty was waxing eloquently, and Michael was waxing eloquently. Yes. And you're like, we got it. Something else to go. I was like, Michael, we got it in now. <laughs> and then Michael asked another question. So <laughs> of, course, of course. Wait, we're glad you're here. Thank you so much for joining me. And everybody else, thank you for being here. Uh, the purpose of what we're doing this morning is to dive a little bit deeper into the, the biblical perspective, how we love one another, what it means to love one another, and how we really uh, shape and frame our response to everything that's going on in this world. Uh, for context, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement rising up, people protesting in the streets, uh, the murders of uh, several uh, unarmed persons of color um, by police officers, the rise up against police brutality. And that's kind of the, the, the current context that our world faces 
right now. So I wanted to bring you guys here today to talk more about that. What's what's our response? What's the practice of it? We finished last week our discussion, Buster, with the call to love one another and sharing experiences and saying, hey, we got to look out for each other. We got to love one another. But today, our focus is on how we do that. What does that look like practically? So I want to start off in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read that real quick. We're going to dive into uh, Luke chapter 10 um, and then uh, just kind of see where the spirit leads this morning. So for those of you that are following along at home, Luke chapter 10, we're going to be starting in verses 25 and going through verse 37. And I'm going to read down through it real quick, and then we're going to talk about it together. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. He's talking to Jesus saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story and said, a man was going down from from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Luke chapter 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own beast and threw him and brought him, not through him, he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I return, I'll repay you. And then Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands? And he said to him, the one who showed mercy towards him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. So talk to me about this passage. Where from the parable of the Good Samaritan, where do we go from here? Well, I find it interesting that the Samaritan looked on, he had mercy on that person. And perhaps it's because he himself was the subject of injustice. You know, people felt very poorly about Samaritans. And I think that he had, he could relate he could relate to the situation. Um, and we don't know. And the important thing is that in the story, we don't know who the person was who was on the side of the road being helped. We don't know his background. We don't know what he, where he came from or what he looked like. But the important part is that he was helped. And I think that's the best place to start. You know, uh, as I was looking at this, I did... Um we had a, a march for solidarity at, on the campus, mm-hmm. and I was given this in particular by you, Russ. <laughs> and when we talked about who is our neighbor, and, and I looked at that, when he summarized the scriptures in this, it was very interesting to me that that word is pleas, which means the one who is near. Mm. So the neighbor is The neighbor is pleas, yeah. yeah, which means that anyone who is near me is my neighbor. Now, it's not just, I don't believe it's just talking about proximity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's talking about not just the one who looks near me, like uh, closer to my color of my skin, but the person who, is, who I'm drawn to, the person that God is causing my eyes to look at, that person is my neighbor. Whether I get along with them or not, they are my neighbor. Uh, and, and, and then it goes on to, what is love then? Mm-hmm. And it's that same word, agapao, agape love, mm-hmm. this unconditional love 
I'm supposed to love this person unconditionally. And Jesus gives even a better example here, or I guess you can say the lawyer did. Mm -hmm. He says, he says the one who showed mercy on him, which is, that is the type of love that we're called to give everyone that it's near to us. Mm -hmm. That is the call, the highest call of a Christian, Mm -hmm. which is to actually everyone who is in in proximity or everyone my eyes are upon, everyone who, who my heart is turned towards, I need to show them mercy, love, and kindness. Um, let's look back at the story for a second, though. I, I, mm-hmm. I resonate really well with what you are uh, saying. And, but let's go back to who comes to Jesus, mm-hmm. an expert in the law. Ooh. Now, we sometimes call a lawyer, but what's the law that's reinferred here? This is the Old Testament law, the, the Pentateuch. Law, yeah. He mm-hmm. is an expert. He has this memorized, mm-hmm. okay? First five chapters, probably the whole Old Testament he has memorized. This guy knows his Bible well. Ouch. Okay? And he comes to Jesus as an expert. Mm-hmm. Don't miss that. He, an expert comes to talk to Jesus. Mm. And he says, what must I do to get heaven? Ooh. Mm-hmm. And he's testing Jesus right there, right? Yes. He's, he's the, he, he knows everything. He's going to see if Jesus knows the law. Right? Yeah. And so here's this guy that's on the inside testing Jesus who is loving people on the outside. Hmm. Hmm. And he's saying to him, um, what must I do? Okay? And then the word that stuck out to me again was he justified himself. What does that mean? Mm. He excused himself. He yes, yeah. and that's that's coming from pride, isn't it? That's yeah. true. So pride in who I am, I'm supposedly not doing enough. Mm. Come on, I'm doing everything, and I think that's relevant to today. Yeah, because I think pride is is separating us as people, mm. and 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 then Jesus tells this wonderful story, and look at the man's answer. Does he say who was the, na- the, the the neighbor? He can't even say the word Samaritan. Because wasn't he expecting Jesus to tell the story about somebody else? Certainly the, the Levite or, or another <laughs> expert in the law would have been the one that helped, right? Right. Make your people look good, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The exactly. good Jew, yeah, right? It would have been Jew. the good Jew, maybe. And, and, and instead, he says the one who helped him. And I'm glad he did that because then that tells us we have to help. And it's not just limited to a certain race or nationality that is supposed to help. It's true. But the reality is, I think this this gentleman came to Jesus with a lot of pride. And I'm not sure, as Jesus is going after his heart, I'm not sure whether he he surrendered that pride. I think something something that I heard was... A lot of times we clean this story up and we make it distant from us. You know, it's 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 a story that we wow, that was a really good message. I really loved what I heard. But these people are people that passed this person by. They weren't evil people probably. They had reasons and I think that's something that we don't identify with. They had to have some kind of reason to leave this person and not help. And I think that not seeing that makes the story a lot distant. And we say, wow, they were evil people for not helping this person. And that good Samaritan came by and did a good deed. But I think that those people would argue that they had good reasons to leave 
behind the person on the road. But those reasons were not important to Jesus. He didn't, those reasons aren't important. The, the most important thing is that he was helped. And I think when we realize is that the people passing him by were normal people and they came from all different walks of life, then we can really see that this is, this is, this is a picture of humanity. You know, uh, Russ and April, as you guys are bringing those points up, I realized Jesus' last command to him, which is go and do likewise, yes. right? Go and do likewise. Don't be, uh, don't, don't use the, the excuse board that you have. Uh, well, this is uh, someone who's unclean or I'm a priest or I, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying you, you can't use those excuses anymore. You now acknowledge the truth. You realize it's the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. It's what he's calling us to do today. Absolutely. It's the question I have as we're diving deeper in, into this story. Uh, and this came from somebody um, who submitted a question last week. And anybody that's watching at home, if you'd like to submit questions this morning, head on over to slido.com, put in the code 114, hit, click on audience Q&A, and you can submit your questions and I'll be checking them. If I'm checking my phone, I'm not just doom scrolling. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at your questions, but that's slido.com, code 114, and uh, you'll be able to ask questions and I'll be able to see them. So from last week, somebody asked the question, and this gets kind of more on the practical side here. How can we improve race relations within our Seventh Avenue church? And so we can talk about locally here, right in Keene, we can talk global, but I want to get your thoughts and insights about how we improve some of the injustices that we've seen, some of the, the negative relationships that we've seen between our brothers and sisters. How do we improve that? You know, there's a quote by Tolstoy, and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but you can look it up yourself. Uh, but basically, he says, everyone wants to change the world, but few want to change themselves. And I believe that now is the time for us to stop. It's so easy for me to look and say, King Church, you guys need to, or, or the Texas Conference, Regional Conference, General Conference, you guys need to. And God is saying, I have entrusted you with someone that is looking at you in the mirror. What are you doing with that? In other words, yes, there's there's... The larger organizational the organization has work to do, but I, I, I'm a professor of religion at Southwestern. I can't affect them, but what I can do is affect the relationships that I do have. And God is calling us. In matter of fact, the church is something that's built from the ground up, from the bottom up. The power of the church does not come from top down. It comes from the bottom up. It comes from the people that are loving people that then cause the organization to be a loving organization. So by us condemning the church for not doing right, we're actually condemning ourselves because we belong to this organization. And so therefore, I need to do what God has called me to do. I need to go and do likewise, even when the organization, organization as a whole might not be. Mm-hmm. Am I going and doing likewise? And you mentioned last week that the Lord, Jesus Christ himself, stayed in the church. He spoke up against things and he, he, he himself practiced individually acts that were good. But he stayed in the church. He didn't just leave because there were issues and there were problems. You know, we, we, Buster and, and April, you're right. We want the church to change, mm-hmm. but do we want to change? Oof. Institutions rarely change without individuals changing. Mm -hmm. So we are, we're the church. So let's get real. When 
has, when was the last time that we had someone that didn't look like us, talk like us, maybe even smell like us, Careful. eat lunch at our, at our, well, I smell probably worse. Uh, we won't go there. <laughs> um, uh, you know, have them in our house to, to eat with us. Mm. Uh, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When did, when did we get outside of our comfort zone? Do we, you know, when, when I can remember this sanctuary here being, you know, filled with people and you couldn't hardly get a seat. And if you came in and were sitting, somebody would, would look at you and go, um, that's where I normally sit. Hmm. And, and fortunately that's not happened for a long, long time. But do we sit with people that look different than us? Do we have friendships, genuine, real friendships? And, and that, that can't be legislated. Mm-hmm. That's something that, that changes in our heart. We find common interests. And, and the reality is our first and foremost pro- uh, common interest is what um, God has told us in the Gospel Commission. And then the three angels' message echoes it, uh, that we're supposed to go to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. That's pretty inclusive. And if we're going to follow what Jesus has asked us to do, we are going to act like the Good Samaritan. When we see somebody that's in need, and they may not be beaten up, they may need some money, they may need some food, like we're helping with Lyft this, uh, today, they, they may need emotional, they may need to be listened to. And I'm going to tell you, the hardest thing in my job is to actually listen. Not try to think of what I'm going to respond to next. Mm-hmm not try to answer their problem or, or solve their, their, their world, but to listen and, and then to actively listen and to help them as I listen to them. And, and that's tough stuff. Mm-hmm. That takes time. I think it's so important that out of everything that's going on in our world right now, there's such a media frenzy about Black Lives Matter. There's a media frenzy about the the rioting and the protests. I think all of that is the natural response of people not having their voices heard. And you can look through history when a people group doesn't have their voice heard, it gets to a point that they lash out. And it's between them and God as to where they're standing in terms of their uh, the appropriateness of their lashing out. So I don't want to go there. But I do want to make the point, and I appreciate you bringing that up, that we must listen. And if we had more conversations like this, where we just laid everything aside and we can even, you know, we're, we're doing this in front of cameras today so you can be a part of, of this conversation and hear it. But if we each individually chose to sit down and be like, can we, can we talk this out? Like, Buster, what's your experience been? Can I share mine? Can I share my heart? And we come not with the judgmental attitude and the, the superiority of like, well, my experience has been this way and it's better and that's going to be normative of yours. My experience is just as valid as yours. My experience is just as valid as yours and yours. And yours is just as valid as mine. And I think as we were talking on Thursday, Russ, you brought this up, that the core of racism actually stems back to before the world was created, right? And you mentioned, you alluded it to, to it a little bit earlier with the idea of pride, but there was someone in the universe that decided that his position, it needed to be higher, right? Well, he said, I will extend, uh, ex- exalt myself, my throne above uh, Christ, uh, above God. Mm-hmm. And the core of prejudice is me first mm-hmm. or my people first or my kind or my language or whatever. 
it, it, it's me first. And, and then prejudice goes into uh, uh, racism, and, and there's no room in the gospel for it anywhere. I like what Paul has to say in, in Philippians chapter 2. He says, it's chapter 2, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he goes, in case you don't know what that is, verse 6, who being the very nature God did not consider uh, equality with God something to be held onto, but made himself of nothing, the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man, humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. And if my attitude is like that, the attitude of Jesus Christ, where I see everyone as in the image of God, I think that changes my relationships. Mm-hmm. It, it changes my heart. But Pastor Russ, doesn't that take an enormous amount of humility? I mean, when we feel hurt or when we feel like it's our right, you know, how can we as Christians submit ourselves and say, I'm going to listen to how you feel. I'm going to accept how you feel. I think that takes an enormous amount of humility that Christ bore yeah. first. You know, I, I, April, I'd love to answer that. When we know who we are and our identity in Christ, when we look in the mirror and we see our image in Christ and we're okay with that, and that my self-worth, my my love for brothers and sisters doesn't come from me putting them down or putting them up, but it comes from who I see myself as in Christ, man, there, there's something that happens where my superiority complex is traded for an equality complex, where I strive to make sure that everyone I, I see is equal with me, and I strive mm. to make sure that everyone is seen as equal. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit further? And, and I want you to say it again, because I don't want to butcher it, but you said our inferiority complex, or, or superiority, superiority yeah. depending yeah. on which one position you're in, is replaced by... An equality complex. Yeah. But isn't that that. what we started off with a story of a good Samaritan? And isn't that exactly what Jesus was asking the lawyer, Mm. the expert of the law to do? It's Mm. true. Mm -hmm. And I love how Jesus responds to the lawyer. He doesn't be like, he doesn't tell him this is what you need to do. He doesn't uh, uh, just rant and rave on philosophy and everything. He just tells him a story. And it leads the lawyer to his own conclusions. And the kind of the way that the lawyer responds, I see him kind of slinking back and like, oh, it's the one who showed mercy. Yeah. And compassion. Hey, can, can you see the equation in his mind? Like, how can I, how can I be, how can I win? How can I beat yeah. Jesus? How yeah. can I, <laughs> I can't. I've been defeated. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mic drop. <laughs> it's, it's true. And, and you know what? This is the thing. This lawyer also had an equality complex, but he made himself equal with God. He knew Ooh. so, he knew so mm. much of the scripture that he's like, there's no way I can be wrong because yeah. I have the scripture mm-hmm. memorized backwards and yeah. forward. I know the law. I live it out. Mm-hmm. If, if anyone came and, 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 the, and the Bible police came and they, they looked at my life that say he gets an A+, plus, yeah. but in Jesus' eyes, you failed yeah. because you're, you made yourself equal with God, but not, you're, you're, you're yeah. not equal with God. You're equal with man. And you fail to realize that. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the early Christians that felt that way when Paul from Saul came and was like, I'm one of you guys now. I'm trying to make amends. Can you imagine how they felt after all the persecution that had happened to their family members, to their friends? And here he is changed and he he's in need of love and acceptance and grace. You know, it's perfect that you brought that up because we're not for a gentleman by the name of Barnabas. Yes. 
he would not have had the chance. Someone who took the chance and said, you know what? His voice can't be heard right now. I'm going to stand alongside of my brother as my name who has been changed from Joseph to now Barnabas, son of encouragement. And I'm going to encourage you guys to now listen to him. I stand by his side. And that's what we're called to do, which is stand by each other's side and say, listen to their story. And another guy named uh, Ananias, Ananias. who we really don't. Could you imagine being the one where where God says, "Um, I got this guy that I want you to go pray over. Okay, Jesus, I'm there. You know, I I can pray over people. Oh, by the way, his name uh, used to be Saul. It's going to be Paul. Uh, Not the dude that is, you know, persecuting. persecuting. Yeah, that's the guy. I want you. And he walks in there. And what is his first word out of his mouth? (laughs) Brother. Brother. I, I mean, that guy blows me away. Because that's another type of prejudice, somebody that is persecuting you that might even look like you. Mm. But these are all examples of individual acts that make up greater acts later on. And I think the question is directed towards an organizational move when it should be an individualistic move. Um, When a group of people feel under pressure, it is for the individual to make amends. It can't just be as as a group and i think it has to start individually i once heard um i once heard someone tell me this that uh that uh sometimes police officers fear um people that look like me um and i have seen fear in the eyes of a police officer who was talking with me and i i can i can respond in a way there's a temptation for me to be like that's not right I'm, there's nothing to be afraid of. And I could get frustrated and, and feel some sort of way. But uh, recently, and especially in conversation with you all, I felt that it was a privilege of mine to act individually, to do something, to reach out. Because it's it's just it just needs one person to say, look, I'm your friend. I am someone that you can trust. And I hope that you can look at people differently. And you know, sometimes we see like homeless people, we have a bad experience with a homeless person. They go out and they buy something that's probably not for their benefit. But do we treat all homeless people that way just because of one experience with a homeless person? It's that's not the way Jesus has has brought us to. And that's not an that's not an institutional decision. That is an individualistic in- yeah. decision. And I like what you brought up earlier, Buster, when you said the, the question of love is about proximity. Who am I close to? And I can decry the system. And I think rightfully we should be speaking truth to power mm-hmm. and standing up. But in the same vein, that falls on deaf ears if we're not acting within our own circles. And the closer I step towards someone, the more time I spend with someone, I realize who they are and how they're created in the image of God. And I think about the example you gave, April, about, okay, the homeless person who I found out went and spent the money I gave them on booze or drugs or whatever. Did you take the time to get to know them? Yeah. Did you take the time to lean in? And the next person you come across, are you assuming all of the baggage that you've had with one person? Are you assuming that and placing that on another person's life? That just seems unfair. You know, Michael, if I, if I will, uh, as a parent, I, I said I will never tell my kids, do as I say, not as I do, right? <laughs> but right now, I feel like the church, oftentimes from the bottom up, we're telling the church, do as we say or as we see wrong, but not as we're doing. Mm. In other words, if you're going to call the organization out for doing something, you better make sure that you're doing it or you're you're doing the correct thing. Right. Because uh, that's where change really does start. Mm-hmm. And I think this are what we're discussing right now speaks to the question that somebody submitted last week. They said, uh, why has it taken so long for institutions to speak up about this, to speak up about racism and about injustice? And I think what we're alluding to is what? Why has it taken so long? Why are we 
we are a part of those. We as a church are a part of an institution that's part of a, a greater complex. And it would be fantastic if, and we don't have to be the only ones. I don't want to put us on a pedestal that we're the first ones out there, but we can be a model. Paul says in one of his epistles, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. And so we've got to step up and say, as long as I'm following Christ, as long as I'm walking in his love, then follow me, look what I'm doing. I'm showing love to my neighbor and to my brother and to everybody else. And we could be a center of radical love right here in King, Texas or wherever you're watching from. And, and pastor, um, as you were saying that, it just struck me. Uh, if we have the right um, speech writers, we can say the right words. Mm. They can come out smooth as syrup, mm. sweet, tasty, and mean nothing. Mm. I hope I hope that if, as we're making statements, that our loudest statement is the statement we live. Yeah, because I, the Bible doesn't say uh, um, that all men will will know my church, my bride, because of the statements they make. Because of our 20 fundamental, 20 fundamental beliefs, because of our beautiful ornate buildings. Because of, because of the sermons they preach. Because of the worship services and, that And we all have. these things are good. These should all be good things, mm -hmm. but they are not the root. Mm. And, and if the root isn't good on your plant, your plant isn't going to grow. Mm -hmm. And it says that it, we will be known by our love. And, and, and sometimes we have made that love for each other. You, you, you know, our friends, so I'm going to love you. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you. I, no, <laughs> I, I joke, but, but you, you know what I'm saying? You disagree it, with me. I yeah, don't love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, and, and, the, and the reality is, can we disagree on some things and still be friends? I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. We need to, because sometimes we have, we have said that uniformity is the same as unity. No. And it's never. No. You know, this is going to be a, a tough question, but it's one that I ask myself as all this is rising up. Do I have it in my heart to love someone who hates me because of the color of my skin? Do, do I have the ability to love someone who is racist? And by myself, absolutely not. But by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, I want to see as many people as possible in the kingdom of heaven. I want to be a reason or a catalyst for them to get over their racism in order for them to be in the kingdom of heaven, which means that God has placed in my heart love for races, love for neo-Nazis, love for white supremacists. And, and, and I know some of my brothers and sisters are like, how dare you, you're weak. But that's actually the greatest strength we can ever have, which is the love of Christ that reigns in our hearts. I think what you're raising is, can you love someone without a, a agreeing or believing what they believe? Yeah. And I, and I think we have to. I, I think of the cross you know, there was a prejudice at the cross. Those Roman guards could care less who they were nailing to, to the crosses. And yet at the very end of that afternoon, as Jesus says, it is finished. The centurion, that hardened soldier who thought Jews were nothing, says this must have been the, the Messiah. Absolutely. This, it changed his life. So that kind of love can change a hardened heart. Yeah. Now, what they do with that love is up to them, right? Exactly. I, I remember uh, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane when Malchus came, comes in and Peter chops off his ear, Jesus took out the time that his captors and picked up his ear and put it back on. Yeah. And I guarantee you Malchus's life was never the same again. Well, and I imagine in my mind, you know, I, Jesus has probably been tied up by then and they're holding on to him and Peter's like, Wah! and then Jesus simply slips out of the handcuffs. 
He picks up Malchus's ear, puts it back on, heals him, and then places himself back in the handcuffs. <laughs> I think you're right. That's and then cool. the, like the power of God showing through, and I can imagine the people around him being like, "There's there's something going on here." Yeah, we 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 really don't have any power. Yeah, we but, don't. but you think about it, if that just happens, and and they had to be saying, "Did I just see that?" Mm-hmm. I think I would have said, okay, I'm calling it night. See you guys. <laughs> yeah, guys, we're, we're wrong. Uh, uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So as we finish up our discussion this morning, I want to thank each of you for, for lending your, your ear and your voice to the conversation. And I want to finish with this question. We'll kind of allow each of you to, to respond to this. What is God calling us or what is God calling you to do at this time? in this space. So it's um, almost noon on June 20, 2020, Sabbath morning. What's God calling you, us to do right here? I want to answer with a verse. It's from my favorite Psalms, uh, Psalms 37. Mm-hmm. And it, it just going to go to 20, verse 27 from chapter 37. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice and will not forsake his faithful ones. Mm. Um, verse 29. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. And the law of God is in his heart and his feet do not slip. Um, I think that's really powerful. This was written by David, this particular psalm. And I think... The mention of justice over and over again means we have to set things that are wrong to right. And that is the mark of those who truly belong to God is seeing something wrong and saying, Lord, here I am, send me. And that that's an individualistic decision. And even if um, it's not our problem, um, us living here as ambassadors for Christ, it is always our problem to love those that um are oppressed and stand with people that are being looked down on and being chained by prejudice and whatever that means. And the homeless, the, the widows, the orphans, it doesn't matter. Um, the Lord looks all of them, looks on all of them as children created in his image. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll piggyback on that with another scripture, Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering your, uh, yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks of himself to be something, when he has nothing, he deceives himself. And this just reminds me, the concept of love and forgiveness is not this thing like, oh, yeah, well, it's not forgetting and forg- forgiving and forgetting. Yeah. It's walking with someone through their consequences. Absolutely. Which is, if you hate me because of the color of my skin, it's not that I'm just going to allow you to trample all over me. It means that you're going to have to look at me in the face every day while I still love on you. Mm-hmm. And that's going to burn a hole in your heart, hopefully, that mm-hmm. turns you to the love of Christ. And that's what we're called to do. Absolutely. I, I think the question is really powerful. What should we do right now? And, and I'm going to ask, I guess, a, a questions to answer a question. Mm-hmm. Am I um, praying as much as I'm protesting? Am I watching the TV news more than I'm taking time to be in God's word? And I would like to challenge us um, to take maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year. I spent a year in my devotional time um, 
couple years ago in Romans chapter 12. Every day I read it. It's mm. practical godliness. And I don't have time to read it, um, but it ta- starts off by saying, be living sacrifices. And as you look at that, Jesus was our living sacrifice. So be like Jesus. But the last verse says, this is what I think we have to do right now. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, the uh, Aaron read the passage uh, a few moments ago before we had our discussion. John chapter 13, um, verses 34 and 35. Jesus tells his disciples right before he goes to the cross. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think that one another is all inclusive. That's each other. That's my neighbor. That doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter where you're from in this world. It doesn't matter um, if you eat kimchi um, or if you eat pasta. It's it, Jesus says, love one another. And that's how the world is going to know that we're servants of the king. So I want to invite everybody that's watching at home to love one another, whatever that looks like for you. You've heard the challenge. You've heard the call. We've talked about it practically, theologically from the Bible. Now it's up to you to make a change and make a difference in this world. Uh, we can we can protest. That's an excellent thing to do. We also must, in every single thing that we do, look for equality in our relationships around us and seek the welfare of each person that God has placed within our lives. And that we can, when we see the person in need on the side of the road, like the Good Samaritan, extend love to them. So I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. I want to thank you for your continued support of Elevate. Put up our uh, giving slide up on the screen. If you um, so see it fit to um, send a little bit of offering our way, we would really appreciate that. It goes a long way for us to be able to meet the needs of our community um, and plan some events for community. We're going to be announcing some of those that we're going to be able to do in July, um, some outdoor events that we're going to be looking forward to, and your continued gifts, make sure that that happens. So Pastor Russ, Pastor Swoops, Chaplain April, thank you so much for being with me this morning and for um, discussing this. I was very blessed. Well, I don't think we can say it much better than that. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please share these conversations with someone who needs to hear them. I challenge you, dear listener, to take a look into your own heart and your own life to see ways that you are loving people around you. It's our responsibility to individually stand up to the call, to stand up against racism, against injustice, and see people for who they are and to love them for the people that God has created them to be. We, each and every one of us, as we stand up, can make a change in this world as we look to fulfill the kingdom of God right here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Elevate Retake is recorded weekly at Elevate, a community fellowship of King Church. Our audio is captured by Blake Snyder. Sound design and editing are done by Shane Miosi and Inspire Productions. Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Alanise, Candice McCormick, Semu Segola, Alethea Galvin, Emily Weaver, and Issa Manu. Special thanks to Danae Sanji and 88.3 The Journey and the King Church Media Team. You can find Elevate Retake on Instagram at Elevator Take. 
For more about Elevate Community Fellowship, visit thisiselevate.org. Currently, our services are live streamed every Saturday morning at 1015 a.m. at thisiselevate.org forward slash live. We'd love to have you join us. There's always room for one more.